Uh, well, tonight we want to go through some important aspects of what it means to be a uh, ministry leader here at Cornerstone Baptist Church and some practical things. So this is going to be a little bit different of a message. Um, does everybody have an outline this morning or this evening? I think we have. Uh, okay, my wife didn't get one. Julie, you were, or Faith, you were supposed to give those out. So we've got, we've got one here that needs one. <laughs> uh, maybe, I, okay, a few more as, as you go through. Okay. Okay, a lot more. <laughs> uh, that's fine. So yeah, we want to make sure everybody gets one of these just so that you can kind of follow along and, and it might be helpful to take notes uh, tonight. Um, some references that maybe you'll want to jot down and look up a little later um, as we go along through this, uh, through this message tonight. On your outline, if you'd like to take notes, um, the first point number one that we want to focus in on tonight is, number one, the perspective of ministry leaders. And we're going to be going through different uh, you know, guidelines and expectations. Um, this, is, this is probably the most important part of what we're going to talk about tonight. There's going to be some other things that are important uh, in the second half of this message, but um, the, these perspectives um, and, and having the right mindset is so important. Uh, Solomon once said this correctly, the wisest man who ever lived, said, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Right? So it's important to have the right types of thoughts. It's important to have the right mindset. And so this evening I wanted to share with you some important mindsets or perspective for us to have for those of us who are serving in ministry here at Cornerstone Baptist Church. And I'm one of the ones uh, that is, uh, has the privilege of serving in ministry here. So uh, what is the first uh, perspective that we should have? First of all, letter A is our audience. Our audience. Um, while we may be serving people, our ultimate and our main audience is, of course, the Lord. And, uh, you know, we're going to be talking uh, about serving in the children's ministry, let's say. And you might think that they're your audience. And in, in, a, in a sense, they are. In a sense, you are serving uh, these precious uh, young people. But ultimately, our audience is the Lord himself. Colossians 3.23, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Boy, we've quoted this verse several times, if you have caught that last week and even this week. Uh, Ephesians 6.7, with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men. So whether you teach, whether you preach, whether you sing, whether you play an instrument, whether you ush, okay, that's, if you're in the usher ministry, you ush. <laughs> so if you ush um, or hush people, uh, I guess an usher might do that once in a while. Uh, but if you serve on the security team, if you clean, if you decorate, if you prepare meals, if you do whatever, you're doing it for him. He's the audience. And that's an important perspective for all of us here at Cornerstone to have in our minds that he is our audience. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And so that's who our audience is. That's who we serve. So 
we'll be passing out a, a ministry interest form a little later in the service. And all of those ministries are all for the Lord. He's the audience in every one of them. Um, there is uh, event decoration, food prep, door knocking, missions committee, property maintenance, playing an instrument, graphic design, Sunday school. I'm just reading through some of them. All of these, no matter what they are, the audience needs to be the Lord. The audience needs to be God. And our theme verse, again, is uh, 2 Corinthians 5.15. We are to live unto Him which died for them and rose again. So our audience is God. And that's an important perspective to put into each of our minds. Secondly is our aim. Our aim. What are we aiming to do with each one of these ministries? Um, and I don't have a blank there, but there are two major purposes or aims or focuses in each of these ministries. First of all, to exalt Christ. It is about making Him look good, not about making me look good. Uh, Psalm 20, I'm sorry, Psalm 34 in verse number 3. Here the psalmist said, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. That is a great verse. You're going to probably hear that as maybe a theme verse down the road. But Psalm 34, 3, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. Really, that's a great theme verse for a church that we're going to exalt His name together. That's what our purpose ought to be. It's about making His name great. Look, it's not about making my name great, obviously, or even yours, or even our church's name great. The aim should be about making His name great, about exalting Him. John the Baptist correctly said this, he must increase, but I must decrease. How many have ever uh, driven an, uh, a manual transmission automobile or truck? Would you raise your hand? Several hands are up. Okay, what, what's the key to making that, that vehicle go? Right When you start the car, your foot is on the clutch. Your foot is not on the gas. But in order to make that car go, you have to let go of the clutch and put your foot on the gas. And there, there comes a point where you take the foot off the clutch and onto the gas, and now the car's moving. And that's a good illustration of us. When our foot is on me, we're not going anywhere. When it's all about me, we're not going anywhere. But when I, take, when I decrease and he increases, now we can move. Now we can go forward. Now we can accomplish something. And so it's not about exalting any one of us when we're serving it's about exalting Him. John 12 and verse 32, Jesus said this, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. And the purpose for each one of these ministries is to lift up Christ so that ultimately men would be drawn to Him. And not so they would be drawn to me or you or even our church necessarily, but that they would be drawn to Him. And that's our aim, to exalt Christ. But secondly, to edify others, to build up others, uh, to help others grow spiritually. 
is our purpose for these uh, ministries. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 11. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another even as also you do. So we are to uh, edify one another. That is our purpose as a church. Romans 14 and verse number 19 says, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and the things wherewith one may edify another. So we're to try to build one another up in our faith. Uh, My goal and my purpose is to try to help each one of you grow in your walk with the Lord. And your relationship with God is made stronger because of my ministry. And that ought to be your goal for your ministry, whatever that may be. Again, any one of these, uh, that should be the purpose. So that's our aim. Let her see our attitude. What should our attitude be when it comes to serving the Lord? Should it be uh, an attitude of obligation and duty? Yes, in some ways that's okay. But if that is our only motivation, it's like, I have to go teach Sunday school today. No one else is going to do it. I got to go do it. That's not really the attitude we should be uh, aiming for on that. And I realize that there are some days that that is our attitude. There are some Sunday mornings I wake up and I'm going, it's time to go to church. Let's do this, Eric. (laughs) Um, For one reason or another. And and there's other Sundays where I'm going, praise the Lord, I get to go to church and I get to serve the Lord. Um, But at the same time, what should our attitude be uh, here in Cornerstone Baptist Church as we serve the Lord. Romans twelve eleven. we quoted this verse, we read it, we examined it a little bit this morning. Uh, it says, Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. So we ought to be fervent in spirit. This should be something that we're excited about. And we get ourselves in the right frame of mind as we uh, approach the ministry. Ephesians 6, 6 again Uh, Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ. And here it is, doing the will of God from the heart. It ought to come from the heart. And when it does, it's noticeable, by the way. Uh, Most people can tell when you're genuinely doing something from the heart. But if something you're doing something because you have to, it's somewhat noticeable too. And so I would encourage all of us to put our heart into it and allow God to do great and mighty things through us when we do it from the heart. So that's our attitude when it comes to the perspective. But then letter D here, when it comes to our perspective in serving the Lord here at Cornerstone, is our abiding, our abiding. And this is, a, this is an important thought. This, this really is necessary. Uh, Mark chapter 3 and verse 14 says this, and this is uh, narration here about Jesus and the 12 disciples. And here's what it says in Mark 3, 14. And he ordained 12. And most people would think that the next words would be that he might send them forth to preach. But before he sent them forth to preach, the Bible says, and he ordained 12 that they should be with him. 
and that he might send them forth to preach. So the concept here is for those of us who are serving at Cornerstone Baptist Church to make sure that we have an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ before we go do our ministries, that we're spending time with him, that we're abiding in Christ before we go and have activity for Christ. Do you see what I'm saying? That we have time uh, sitting at his feet, reading his word, talking to him before we ever approach ministry. That's so important. Acts chapter number 4 and verse 13 uh, talks about when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Do people look at you and see your ministry and say, wow, that person has been with Jesus today. Obviously, they've spent some time with the Lord because of the way that they're interacting, because of the way they're doing their ministry. Is it obvious to those around you and around me that you are abiding in Christ before you have activity for Christ. This is a big challenge to me. I, uh, when I was realizing the Lord was calling us here to Oklahoma and to Cornerstone Baptist Church, I began to jot down different things. And one of the things that I did jot down, and it's in my notes on my phone, it says, abide before activity. And I need to make sure that before I ever come and declare the word of God to you that God has declared his word unto me (laughs) and that I have, before I ever talk to you, that I'm having an opportunity to talk to him. And see, I need to be abiding in him before I ever come and serve him. So that's what I want to encourage all of us to do as well. Your Bible is probably still open to 1 Corinthians 14. That's where mine is. But if you can turn over to John chapter number 15. John chapter 15, we're going to continue this thought here on abiding with the great chapter that talks about abiding in Christ, because this is really most important. Before we talk into the nitty-gritty of serving, uh, let's make sure that we know how to abide, because if we know how to abide, then we'll have God's power in our lives, and God can use us effectively, but if we don't abide in Him we're really just going through the motions. And before long, we'll either burn out or be completely ineffective. And God wants us to have His power in our lives. And so it's important for us to abide. John chapter 15. Uh, Let's pick it up in verse number 1. Great place to start. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, He taketh away, and every branch... The beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. And then in verse 4 he says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye, abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him... The same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do... And what's the next word? Nothing. Nothing. 
you know, you get a, go to an apple tree and you take the branch off and you're like, come on, work harder, bear some fruit. It's not going to happen unless it's connected to the trunk. And you and I, if we're separated from the trunk, if we're separated from the Lord, we're not going to be able to truly accomplish anything without Him. And so it's important for us to abide in Him, to spend time with Him, to be with Him before we ever preach for Him. And so that's our perspective. Those are the things that I want to encourage us all to have the right mindset regarding. So we have our, uh, our audience is God and not ourselves and not even those who are serving necessarily, but God. And then we have our aim, and our aim is to exalt Christ and to edify one another. And then our attitude ought to be serving the Lord fervent in spirit and from the heart. And then our abiding is so important. Well, number two uh, tonight, the, two, the second major uh, aspect of this uh, time together is the policies and procedures. Some practical things that we need to cover tonight for those involved in ministry, some things that uh, need to be explained and shared, and everybody on the same page on. Titus chapter number one and verse number five. Um, here Paul said to Titus, he said, For this cause left I thee in Crete that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. You see, one of the purposes for uh, Titus being left on this island of Crete is to uh, kind of shore up some things, and I mentioned this last Sunday night, to shore up some things that um, had been wanting or lacking. And, you know, as a pastor's job to kind of make sure that he sets in order some things that need to be put in order. And so that's what... I want to kind of do tonight is uh, is set in order the things that are wanting here at Cornerstone. And so let me kind of go through these thoughts here. First of all, letter A is our agreement, our agreement. And that is making sure that we are all on the same page. If For those who are serving here at Cornerstone Baptist Church, we're all on the same page when it comes to our doctrinal statement. Um, that's important for us to uh, be agreed when it comes to what we believe. And you say, well, what do we believe? Well, uh, we believe a lot of things. Uh, we believe the Bible is the Word of God, and we do use the King James Version here at Cornerstone Baptist Church. Um, and uh, we, you know, we can go down through the whole list. I don't have it with me, but it is on our church website. And uh, for those who are maybe newer, I would encourage you to uh, go through that and make sure that you're in agreement with our doctrinal stand. Uh, because we can't have you teaching Sunday school teaching something that our church doesn't believe. That's not going to work. And so we need to make sure that we are in agreement. Amos 3.3 said, How can two walk together except they be agreed? And if you've got an issue with something doctrinally, please come and talk to me. I'd be glad to discuss it with you. Um, If you're going to have an argumentative spirit about it, uh, the discussion may not be very long. uh, But... I, I do want to be there to help you, and um, because we're honestly not going to change. But if you're if you have an open heart to it, um, I'd be glad to explain why we believe what we believe. Um, so uh, go to our website and, and go through those and make sure that you're in agreement with those before you ever start teaching or start 
uh, helping in a ministry that, especially in a teaching ministry, we need to be in agreement. Uh, secondly, and, and this is a this is kind of a sensitive one, and that is our our appearance. Um, and uh, the Bible does have some things to say about the way we dress, and we're going to talk a little bit about this, especially for those who are serving in ministry, for those who serve in, um, you know, any type of ministry uh, here at Cornerstone. The Bible does talk about um, and have some principles regarding the way we dress. First uh, Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 are really the, the key verses here. Um, and here Paul's talking to Timothy, and he said, I will that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair, gold, or pearls, or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. The biblical principle here, obviously, is modesty. And, uh, you know, I think everybody would probably say a hearty amen to say, if I said, look, we're gonna, we need to dress modestly here at Cornerstone Baptist Church, I think everybody would probably say amen to that. Um, but um, as long as I don't define it, <laughs> uh, and I let you, decide, you, you define it. Um, everybody's different uh, definition of modesty is a little different. Everybody has their own opinion on that. And, um, and you know, not, one is not necessarily right and one is not necessarily wrong. And so as the pastor, the pastor needs to come in and define it for that particular local church. Uh, and I, I, just so you know, this is probably uh, my least favorite part of being the pastor. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is the last thing that I want to talk about. Um, but it's something that is necessary, um, particularly because the Lord does uh, talk about modesty and, and, and dress uh, standards and... and um, appearance in the Word of God. Um, remember when uh, David was chosen to be king, right before he was chosen, Eliab, his older brother, was appeared to be like he was the next king. And Samuel looked at him and he said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Look at him. He just looks wonderful. He looks like he could be the king. And the Lord said, uh, Samuel, he's not the one. Um, I have refused him, and then and then it goes on to say, the the Lord looketh or man looketh on the outward, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And I'll just say this, you know, as we talk about uh, appearance, the Lord cares more about the condition of our heart than He does on the outward appearance. That is very true. But in that verse, it does say, man looks on the outward appearance. And so it's important for us, as we are the light of the world, as we are the, um, to be the salt of the earth, to uh, care about our appearance as well. Um, and so I have some guidelines that I'd like to uh, pass out tonight. So uh, Brother Gary and uh, I don't know who's got them tonight. Uh, Brother Chuck. Okay, great. If we can go ahead and pass these around, and we'll go through these together. So these are Cornerstone Baptist Church dress guidelines for ministry leaders. This is not a dress code for Cornerstone Baptist Church, to be very clear. It really is not. And I don't want, it, I don't want anyone to feel like it is. Uh, these are really just guidelines for those who are serving in ministry. Now, I realize a good chunk of our church is involved in ministry. 
Um, but I want to explain this a little bit here as we go through it. And we'll read through this together tonight. Um, and I know this is a sensitive topic. I, I, I get that. And I really don't want anyone to take it like it's a personal attack whatsoever. I'm honestly trying to uh, please the Lord in this area. I'm trying to real, uh, point out that in our appearance, we need to glorify God. And uh, remember, whatsoever you do, whether you eat or drink, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God, including um, how we appear, our dress standards, our, our dress choices. And so, uh, does everybody pretty much have these? Okay, so let's kind of read through these. Um, these apply to anyone uh, serving in a visible and or leadership role and in all music ministry positions during their scheduled services and events at uh, Cornerstone Baptist Church. So this would be, so if you're scheduled for nursery on a Wednesday night, then these would apply. If you're not scheduled for nursery, they would not necessarily apply. It's not like I'm going to require this for all, uh, every service. Um, but the prince, that's not to say that you need to, you know, throw these, throw these out the window just because you're not serving a nursery that particular service. Um, I, think, I think all of us could stand to apply these um, on, a, on an ongoing basis uh, here when it comes to uh, dressing for, for the Lord here at Cornerstone. Um, but that's, that's the requirement, I guess, would, would be for those uh, scheduled services that you are um, scheduled to serve in, okay? Now, purposes for establishing these guidelines, um, this is for members serving in these positions to demonstrate respect and reverence to God, which, again, He's our audience. Um, He's our aim, the one that we're trying to exalt, um, to reflect appropriateness. Now, when it comes to appropriateness, um, again, that's, that's a... A nebulous term that is up to interpretation, but if you think about it practically, there's an appropriate attire for a lot of different venues and situations in life, right? You go to a baseball game, I'm probably not going to wear a shirt and tie, although back in the day in the 1800s, they did. Um, uh, but when I go to a, you know, when I go to a baseball game or basketball game or football or hockey game, amen, uh, <laughs> I'm probably not going to wear a shirt and tie and a suit. Um, it's a different. It's a different venue. It's a different uh, experience. It's a different place. Uh, you go to the beach. I'm probably not going to wear a shirt and tie and a suit when I go to the beach. Um, when I not that there's a beach real local here, but <laughs> um, if I was invited to the White House, I would probably wear a shirt and tie and a suit. Um, and by the way, that is part of the dress uh, guidelines for going to visit the president. If you do get invited, there is a dress code that you do have to abide by when you go and visit the president. Um, when there's a funeral, obviously that's not the time to wear, you know, shorts and flip-flops and a tank top and a sunglasses. That's, that's the wrong time for that, right? There's a level of appropriateness uh, when you go to a funeral. And of course, you know, uh, church would be considered a different venue than some of these other places we've talked about. Why is the church so different? Well, this is the Lord's church. This is the Lord's house. This is the house of God, Paul said, which is the pillar and ground of truth. 
So this is the house of God. It's special. It's different. And, uh, and, and so it's important for us to understand that appropriateness. Also, it reflects godliness and modesty um, as we go through this. Number two, uh, another purpose is to demonstrate love and respect for fellow believers by carefully avoiding being a source of temptation or an offense to them. And so the Bible does talk about the stumbling block issue, um, making sure that we're not a stumbling block to cause another brother or sister to stumble in their faith or to go back or to, in this case, you know, uh, you know, making sure that the ladies aren't dressing in a way to draw unneeded attention to themselves from men. Um, so this is an important uh, concept here. Uh, number three, to prevent the recipients of our ministry from being distracted and hindered from a proper, proper mental focus while we minister to them. So, I mean, you know, if I was preaching in a muscle shirt um, here, now that, that's a pretty crazy mental picture, isn't it? <laughs> You're welcome for that, by the way. Um, but that would be a source of distraction. Like, why would that guy wear a muscle shirt? Don't you need to have muscles to wear a muscle shirt? <laughs> it would be distracting. And so that's why we've established these so that we can... The whole purpose here isn't so that we draw attention to ourselves. It's so that we draw attention to the Lord, Amen. right? And so that's why we have these, okay? And then number four, to set the example of modesty or for modesty for the next generation and to newer believers, um, the next generation is going to learn modesty or not learn modesty from those of us who are a little older. So it's on us to be, in a, be thou an example of all believers, Paul said, right? In, in what areas? In word, in conversation, in faith. And one of them was in purity. And that could definitely translate and be applied to this area of appearance and dress. And so God does want us to uh, set the example in this area. Uh, when we dress up a little nicer for church than we do for most of our week's activities, we show our children that church is important and that it's special and that it's valuable. But when we dress the same as we do when we go, you know, if I was to go to the, the dump tomorrow, the city dump down in Norman, there's not one in Moore, I found out. There's no dump in Moore. Um, but Norman has a, has a big dump because Norman's dumpy. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, well, I'm not going to wear the same clothes to the dump that I would to church and, because church is important and valuable. Okay? So here's what the guidelines are. And again, I had to make the decision on uh, what these were going to be. Uh, you may like them. You may not. I know there's people on various uh, parts of the spectrum uh, some may think that this isn't, you know, modest enough. Some may think this is way overboard. But this is what we're going to do here at Cornerstone Baptist Church. For men, again, while you're serving in the ministry you've been asked to serve in, here's what we'd ask you to do. Uh, men 13 and up should wear full-length pants, no holes or skinny pants. Skinny pants are a thing now, and most of us have seen uh, people wear those. Uh, I want to avoid that. That does give the appearance of, um, you know, blending, blending genders. Um, and so we don't want to do that. We want to uh, stay away from that. Uh, front, polo, front button polo or dress shirts. 
Sweaters are acceptable. We want to avoid t-shirts. Um, again, there's going to be some exceptions to these, which we'll cover here in a moment, but there'll be some exceptions. But um, when, you're, when you're serving in the ministry, no t-shirts, please. Please wear a tie if you'll be on the platform during a service. So if you're called upon to do something up here on the platform, guys, I would ask you to wear a tie. And again, that's showing respect for uh, what happens from this platform. Um, it's not because anyone's better than anyone else. It's because what happens here, uh, especially particularly when it comes to prayer, when it comes to reading God's word, that's special. That's important. And, and so we want to kind of indicate that in our appearance. Um, hair, normal, uh, natural colors. And what I mean by that is, because I don't even have hair, uh, but um, actually it's transparent if you want to know. I dyed it transparent some time ago, and it's, a, it's an afro at the moment, uh, but it's all transparent. So anyway, um, but what we want to say is, you know, if you're going to be serving in a ministry, this is not the time. Don't go and dye your hair, you know, bright green and say, well, I just felt like it. Um, we want to try to keep the hair normal colors. If you want to dye your hair, you know, normal colors, that's, that's fine. But keep it, keep it normal, natural colors. Keep it short and neat. Um, again, you know, we want to kind of avoid the, the mohawks and, the, you know, just the real worldly styles on, on the hair. Um, and then no new tattoos. Um, I realize that many of us, um, well, I don't have any, but I know that there are folks in our church who have tattoos, and that's fine because you probably got them while you were serving in the military. A lot of people do that um, or just in your past, but uh, it's not the time to go get plastered up and tatted all up uh, with, with new tattoos, okay? Um, and then jewelry. Um, I don't really want men to have a bunch of, uh, well, any pierced jewelry on them, ears, eyes, nose tongue, lip, wherever, okay? Uh, no pierced jewelry, no necklaces on outside of clothing. Um, so those are some guidelines for the men. Uh, for the women, 13 and up, and again, these are while you're serving in the ministry. This isn't like, okay, everybody who comes into church needs to dress this way. This is while you're serving in the ministry, while you're representing Cornerstone Baptist Church in the area you have signed up to be a part of and that we've asked you to help with, this is how we would ask you to dress. For ladies to please wear a, a dress or a skirt or dress. And the skirt or dress needs to completely cover the knee while standing or sitting. Any slits must uh, stop at the knee. Um, and then when it comes to the top, it needs to cover everything there completely while standing, sitting, or bending over. Uh, the back line uh, should not be too low cut. No tank tops or gaping armholes. Snugness of fit for skirt, dress, blouse, or top. And this is important, not form-fitting or body-hugging. Um, honestly, as, you know, men have said, okay, and uh, that many times just because it's all covered up, if it's form-fitting, it still causes, still causes a man's eyes to, uh, to look. So um, keep it uh, loose-fitting if you would, please. That would be very helpful. Uh, needs to drape and not cling, no exposed midriff, nothing see-through. And then for ladies with their hair, feminine style, natural colors, again, you know, uh, bright uh, purple would probably not be a blessing. So 
Uh, we're just trying to avoid some of that. I know that you know a lot of this doesn't necessarily apply to everybody, but I'm putting these in place for, for future, for growth, um, and all of that. And again, no new tattoos. Okay. Uh, disclaimer, these guidelines cannot cover every possible situation. Other obviously distracting, immodest, giving a wrong message type of attire should also be avoided. And then there are some exceptions, of course, to this. Within the bounds of modesty, these guidelines will not be required for some events when different guidelines may be deemed more appropriate. Uh, the different guidelines in such cases will be communicated to the effective persons by the person in charge of the particular event. Let's say we were going horseback riding uh, tomorrow as a church. Well, at that point, it would probably be more appropriate uh, for ladies to wear pants to that one, okay? I'm not, I'm not trying to be unreasonable. I'm trying to use a little common sense here, but trying to, use, trying to err on the side of modesty because, again, that's the biblical principle, right? Um, if we were going skiing, again, uh, it's hard. I, I wouldn't want to go skiing in a skirt. <laughs> um, and so I'm not going to ask, again, another mental picture. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> But I'm not going to ask ladies and, and teen girls to uh, wear red dresses to, to skiing, okay? So just so you know, it's not going to be, I, I, I'm not going to be obnoxious in this, but while you're serving here and representing Cornerstone Baptist Church, I, I, think, I think these are very reasonable and modest guidelines. And then the last word, the two words on that, can somebody read those two words for me? Thank you, Yes. I, I do appreciate your cooperation with these. Um, again, I know that they, you may look at these and say, this isn't my preference. Um, I, I understand that, and you know, I, I, can't, I can't give guidelines that, that fit everybody's preference, uh, unfortunately. I, I, you can please all, some of the people some of the time, and all the people none of the times, right? Um, so I've tried to, you know, please the Lord in this, and really that's who my main purpose is in instituting these. If, you know, I wasn't really concerned about pleasing the Lord, then, hey, let's just kind of do that which is right in our own eyes, and you, you know, what's right in your eyes may not be right in somebody else's eyes and whatever. Okay, so I wanted to share some thoughts regarding this now that we've kind of gone through that. Just some, just some thoughts that... Um, you know, I, I think kind of help me help un, help you understand where I'm coming from. Here's one: God loves you no matter what you wear, but do, God does care what what you wear. Okay, God loves you no matter what you wear, but He does care what you wear. Otherwise, He wouldn't have put principles in His Word regarding our appearance. So He does care. Now, the major emphasis is on our internal spiritual health. And that's the emphasis I want to have here at Cornerstone Baptist Church as well. Um, I don't want to bring up dress guidelines every week or really ever again, to be honest. <laughs> uh, I know that it may need to get brought up once in a while just to remind some maybe who start straying or wandering away from it. But it's not something that I want to focus in on. It's not the major emphasis of Scripture, nor will it be the major emphasis here at Cornerstone. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we can completely ignore the external appearance either, which is why we've addressed it uh, even tonight. Um, this, is, this is very true. I do not feel comfortable about telling someone else's wife how to dress at home. Uh, that's not my place. 
Um, but I am responsible for what happens at this church since I will give an account to God for what happens here at Cornerstone. Um, you're not going to have to stand before the Lord, and, and uh, he's not going to ask you, hey, how come you didn't institute any dress standards? Did you not understand this? Did you not read that verse about modesty in the Bible? Um, I don't want him to say that to me. And that's why we've instituted these, because I am very aware that very soon, sooner than I may like to think, I'm going to stand before him and, and give an account for how I led this flock. And so um, that's, and I don't really, you know, I'm not trying to say this is how you need to dress at home, this is how you need to dress at work. You know, you do what the Lord leads you to do and your husband leads you to do, ladies, uh, but when you're representing Cornerstone Baptist Church, that's where it comes into my jurisdiction, if that makes sense. Um, here's another one. Your appearance is not the most important thing about you, but that doesn't mean it's not important. Remember, I said the condition of your heart is the most important thing, and that's what the Lord is most concerned about. But again, your externals are also important, especially as Christians. We are to be different from the world. We are to be separate from the world. And so I would encourage you to uh, think about that as, we, as, as you try to wrap your mind around these different guidelines. Um, here's another one. To be clear, I am not imposing a church dress code. This is for ministry leaders. I've said that a couple times, but I think it bears... It needs to be repeated. I'm not trying to institute a church dress code. Uh, if, if somebody comes into our church um, wearing something that doesn't fit this, um, I want to love on them. I want to welcome them, and they are completely and totally welcome here at Cornerstone. Um, now, we, my wife and I, have not always held to these particular guidelines in our, in our marriage. Um, this is after many years of growth. And so she gets, uh, my wife particularly, she gets both sides of the equation and completely understands. Um, and so I would like to publicly say, if, ladies, you have questions or concerns about this issue, my wife is willing and glad and happy to talk about this um, with you. Um, I, we, she understands what it's like to struggle with this. She understands the the growth that takes place and the growing pains that happen along these lines. Um, so she completely gets it and is, and is happy. And by the way, I'm happy to discuss it as well. So if, you know, you ladies or men have questions about this for me, I'm happy to answer them uh, as well. Uh, several different biblical principles that we're basing all of these guidelines on. Uh, the biblical principle, first of all, of modesty uh, that, that's the major biblical principle we're basing these guidelines on. We didn't just pick them out of the air and say, well, yeah, this will work. <laughs> Let's do this. And, and we didn't even pick our own preferences on this. This is uh, based on biblical principles. And the first one is modesty. The second one is gender distinction. Remember, God created men and women differently. And I'm glad that he did. Um, my wife is, is built differently than I am, uh, physically, emotionally, and all of it. And, and it's a blessing that she's different than me. Well, there's a you know, definite uh, shift in culture to try to blend genders. 
try to make everybody feel like they're the same. Um, and, and God wants there to be a distinction between the genders. And so, um, you know, that's why we're, we came up with these, um, that's where we're drawing these guidelines from is gender distinction. The, the third biblical principle is the stumbling block principle, uh, making sure that what, we, what, what ladies wear is not a stumbling block to the men, and, and, and men should also not be a stumbling block to the ladies. Um, but uh, particularly from the, and, and unfortunately, it, it does deal a little bit more with ladies than it does with men, um, but uh, the ladies can definitely become a stumbling block. Now, is it, you know, th- this whole debate on, okay, whose fault is it if the man lusts after a woman? Is it the man's fault or is it the lady's fault? I would really say probably both. Now, for sure it's the man's fault because he has a responsibility, for sure, absolutely. Now, if the lady is doing her best to, you know, cover herself and, and, not, and, and, and uh, make sure that it's not form-fitting and all of that, well, then she's off the hook. But if she's dressing in a way that brings attention to areas that men tend to lust after, then... She's part of the problem. Now, again, it's man has to, you know, they have a responsibility to guard their eyes and to guard their thoughts, period. Uh, but ladies, you can really help men with this area by dressing in a modest way, and especially um, when you're serving in ministry, and, and that would be a great blessing. Okay, then the, um, another one is uh, the biblical principle of example. We've already talked about that, and that is... Um, setting the example in the area of, um, of modesty. Now, in, in bringing this to the church, um, in passing these out and saying this is what we're going to do, there is a great danger in doing this as a church. And the danger is that it creates a judgmental spirit uh, towards those who maybe don't, uh, don't want to follow these guidelines or whatever, or, or maybe who come in new. Um, I want to just say that is the opposite of what I want to accomplish with this. Uh, really, there, I'm not going to tolerate a judgmental, critical spirit here. This is going to be a loving, there is going to be a loving spirit. We're going to have grace. We're going to be patient with people. We're going to love people. And we're not going to have this critical, judgmental look down on our nose because I wear this and you don't. That is, that is not going to be tolerated uh, with these guidelines, okay? So that is, that, that I want to make very clear. Matthew chapter 23, Jesus talked to the Pharisees, and, you know, Jesus, this, the Lamb of God, this lowly, okay, well, you read Matthew chapter 23, and you tell me how uh, lowly he was. He was preaching to these Pharisees, and he was letting them have, he was calling them a bunch of snakes, what they were doing is they were kind of lifting themselves up in pride because of their clothing, their outward uh, appearance. And I don't want us ever to be Pharisee Baptist Church. Um, and that can easily happen when you bring in dress guidelines like this, and, and that just cannot happen. Uh, We've we got to guard against that. We've got to make sure that we love people not based on their appearance, but based on who they are. Um, but that doesn't mean that we need to throw modesty out the window either. So there's a balance here, and I'm trying to fit that balance in. 
James chapter 2, and it's a different, it's a little different context. James chapter 2 talks about the, 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 the rich people, and then there comes in somebody that doesn't quite have the clothing. Let's go ahead and turn over there real quick. James chapter 2, verse number uh, 2. Well, verse number 1. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit under or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts? And uh, it goes on down. You can read down through that, that passage. But uh, the, the obvious context there is, you know, someone who has nice, nice name brand clothing and someone who has just, you know, you can tell that they didn't get it at, you know, uh, one of these malls here around Oklahoma City. Uh, that they got it at, you know, a Goodwill and it's, they didn't get the nicest thing at Goodwill. And, and you show respect to them uh, who has the nice clothing and the name brand stuff and say, wow, look at you. Hey, you sit in the nicest seat in the church. And then the person who doesn't have the nice clothing, you say, ah, I think there's some room in our overflow area when we don't even need the overflow area. <laughs> so, uh, and, and the, the application for us in this, in, as we're talking about dress guidelines is, Let's not respect those who, um, who are following them and then treat those who are not or maybe newer or growing in this area, uh, treat them any less. We've got we to gotta be no respecter of persons here. Okay, so I, hopefully those thoughts will help. Um, I, am, I am praying about um, preaching on this very topic uh, because I realize that it is such a sensitive topic and it may warrant a whole message on this. And so I'm praying about the, the opportunity to do that and, and um, I'm asking the Lord to guide and direct in that and uh, possibly may do that on February 3rd in the evening service. So uh, we'll see as we get closer to it. But um, anyway, those are, that's the appearance. That's, that's the long, that was a long point, I know. Uh, but let's go, let's move on here to letter C, our attendance, our attendance. For those who are serving in ministry here at Cornerstone, um, I really want you to be faithful to the different services. In other words, if you're scheduled to serve in the nursery during Sunday school, what I really don't want is you to come to that and do your nursery and then say, see you later. I'm not coming to church in the morning or the evening or Wednesday night. I'm just showing up for my uh, my little ministry. We, we want to be in a place where we're growing and being fed, and in order to do that, we need to be faithful to the services. Hebrews 10.25 is the natural verse there. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more. As you see the day approaching, we need to be more and more faithful to the house of God and to the services than, rather than less and less. And so if you're and, and what I want to get to the point where um, if you're serving in a, in, a, in a ministry during a service, like teaching Sunday school, well, then you're able then to be in uh, another, another couple services in the week. Um, so we're not having somebody serve Sunday school, junior church, and then Sunday night, you know, nursery, and then Wednesday night, children's. 
well, then they're not getting any, any, they're not being in any services and being fed and having the encouragement of one another and the provoking unto love and good works. So it's important for, and I'm going to try to work that, work that out. I know that some um, are, are busier than others, and we'll try to work it out to make sure that everybody can be in uh, as many services as possible to be fed. Letter D, uh, we'll, we'll hit this point, and then we'll do a couple more things here. Uh, Matthew chapter, or letter D is our appropriateness. I'll tell you what that is. <laughs> uh, our appropriateness. Matthew ten sixteen. Sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore, anybody know, wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So here Jesus is sending forth the disciples and he says, I want you to be wise as serpents and I want you to be as harmless as doves. And so as a result, I want to cover some important, appropriate things regarding dealing with, um, dealing with children in particular. Uh, because we have a day and age in which a lot of churches are under fire because of how they have not dealt appropriately with children. And I want to make sure that going forward, we don't have any lawsuits against us or any accusations. Uh, not that we can guarantee that, but if we put some of these things in place I'm about to share with you, then I think that that'll go a long way in helping us avoid any uh, allegations down the road. And so um, we have the uh, policies and procedures. If we can go ahead and pass that out at this time. And these are things that uh, I really want to encourage those, especially working with children, to take special notice of these. Uh, these are really non-negotiable. Uh, these, are, these are very important um, aspects of working with children here at Cornerstone. And some have to do with other ministries, but um, I hope that these will make sense and, and, and be a help to us going forward uh, here at Cornerstone. Everybody still awake? No? All right, we're almost done tonight. Thank you for your attention and patience with all of this. Um, but I, I think that these are important things that need to be discussed. And uh, I appreciate your understanding and, and, and spirit in receiving them. Policies and procedures, I think pretty much everybody has them at this point. So I'm going to go ahead and read down through them. Following, the following is a list of organizational procedures which will help our church program to operate more effectively. So number one, any worker desiring to organize a class or group activity of any kind should call the church office to clear the date and time on the calendar. That's just a, an easy thing. Um, we already do that, but just want to keep that going and to let you know that that's in writing now. <laughs> um, number two, all accidents or incidents in your area should be documented on a security incident report. This protects you and our church from wrongful accusations and informs the leadership of potential problems. So this is uh, sp specifically for those who work with children um, and uh, something happens, maybe Johnny hit Sally uh, with a, you know, a block and uh, she has uh, maybe he, he hit her in the, in the lip and now she has a bloody lip. Well, taking the time to kind of document what happened um, helps. Uh, now, most of us know each other, and we talk about it, and we explain it, but still, um, as we grow, 
then this is going to become more and more important. Now, at the very moment, as I talk, we do not have a security incident report, but by next Sunday we will, and those will be in the different children's classes and uh, rooms that we do children's ministry. And so if you are wondering, should I write a s- uh, security incident report for this? The answer is probably yes. Just be safe and go ahead and do it and take a quick moment to fill that out. And that helps, you know, that'll come across my desk and that helps me kind of know. So if, if a parent is, you know, a little miffed, then I have a little reason to know what happened and I can explain it a little bit. Um, so that that's going to uh, need to take place. Uh, number three, any worker who's having difficulty in his or her ministry should set up an appointment with the pastor to discuss the situation. Workers should not complain about their ministry problems with other workers. Okay? Um, that, that You can kind of see the reasoning there. And uh, I'm glad to discuss um, any ministry challenges that you might be having. And uh, we'll, we'll see about getting those resolved. Number four, all church workers should arrive at church at least 15 minutes early in order to prepare their room, etc. Um, you know, many of you are in the military and, and, and being late drives you absolutely bonkers. Um, that, that is kind of me, and I've never been in the military. So uh, this is the Lord's work. This is even more important than serving in our military. And, and, and serving in the military is immensely important, and I have the utmost respect for those involved in that. Um, but let's treat the Lord's work with as much excellence and care and value as we would uh, our secular job or even more so. So uh, if you would, please, uh, those involved, and you're supposed to serve at 7 o'clock in Wednesday night, be here by 645 and in your place, ready to go, ready to receive children. Um, That would be a great blessing, okay? Um, Number five, any worker who will be absent for any reason should call the department head at least 24 hours prior to the absence. That's not always easy to do when you wake up on Sunday morning feeling horrible, Um, but as best as possible, try to give us as much notice as we can. That way we can get your spot filled, okay? Uh, Number six, this is a very important one. All workers should realize the potential danger and liability during times of children's potty breaks and fixing their clothing amongst children that are not their own. Extreme caution should be used. And male workers should not enter a restroom with children that are not their own. Um, so if you're doing Sunday school or junior church and you're a man and the children need to go to the bathroom, please don't go in after them and help them. Um, that is an absolute no-no. And it just saves us from any accusation. It protects you from any accusations. So please, for your own sake, uh, follow these guidelines. Um, that would be a great blessing. Um, number seven, understanding that the church's policy is to have at least two workers in every area. Workers should not be alone with children in a room with the door closed and should never invite children to their home to spend the night, ever. Okay? Um, and I know that, you know, some of us have their, you know, kids spend the night at, at one another's house. That's a little different than me being the creepy guy saying, hey, do you want to come spend the night at my house? Okay? Let's not be the creepy one. Um, let's, let's be appropriate. Um, that was very theologically. I learned that in Bible college. Don't be creepy. Be appropriate. <laughs> um, 
But here it is, have at least two workers in every area. Workers should not be alone with children in a room with the door closed, okay? Now, one of our plans, and I meant to mention this last Sunday night in our Vision Sunday, is to add cameras in the children's classes upstairs in the, in the fellowship hall. Um, because at the moment, there's no cameras. And we need to have them, again, for your protection and for the children's protection. Um, we, cannot, we cannot protect our children too much. Uh, they are so precious, and one, one bad event Amen. can damage them the rest of their life. So we've got to do what we can as a church to prevent any of that from happening. Um, number eight, any and all music and or videos must be approved before playing for children. I know sometimes it'd be nice to just click on a movie and let the kids watch that. But let's make sure that that gets approved before we go ahead and do that. And any music that we play in our classes, let's make sure that that is approved as well. Um, and that would be a blessing. That way we're all on the same page. And that way it's, um, you know, it, we're, we're, we're presenting the right thing to our children. Number nine, if any accusations, and I hope we never have to cross number, or go through number nine, but if any accusations of abuse of your position or mistreatment of children are made, in order to protect you and the church, we, you will be instantly put on administrative leave until the situation is investigated and the accusation is cleared. Okay, so hopefully we don't have to go down that road with anyone ever, but it's there just in case. Maybe if we put that there, it'll never happen. If we didn't, it would. So anyway, uh, policies and procedures, and that is our appropriateness. So those are the things I wanted to cover with you regarding ministry guidelines and expectations. Um, If you have questions, we really don't have a lot of time tonight. I want to let you go, Um, but... The next thing I want to do is pass out ministry interest forms. So we have those being passed out now. And uh, if, you, if you're in a ministry um, and you want to maybe change ministries, this is an opportunity to do that. If you're not currently involved in ministry, I would encourage you to uh, check at least one of these boxes. I really want every minister, every member to be a minister, every saint to be a servant. As I mentioned this morning, God has given each of us a spiritual gift to exercise. So uh, let's get involved in serving the Lord. Again, knowing these guidelines and knowing what's expected and um, what what the guidelines are, uh, now we can, I think, intelligently um, pick these uh, that 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 fit what you want to do, and uh, and so. Before you go tonight, I would encourage you to fill this out to the best of your ability and then uh, go ahead and leave that. Um, you can leave it on the back table in the lobby if you would. And uh, we'll take this and we'll try to work it out to where you can be involved in some of these ministries. Some will take a little more time to implement, uh, get you involved in. Some will be uh, something we can do quickly. Uh, depends on which one it is. Like, for instance, if you pick Vacation Bible School, we're not going to throw you into Vacation Bible School tomorrow, okay, because it's not even until June. So, um, but that helps us to know when we get ready to do Vacation Bible School, to know who's interested in helping, and then we can, we can have a little bit of a list to draw from on that. So, um, and some of you may want to mark a lot of these. Some of you may want to mark just one, however the Lord is leading you, but God wants you If you're a member here at Cornerstone, he wants you to be involved here, and I do too. Um, And God has given us some very gifted people. 
in a lot of different uh, areas. And so let's, let's figure out how God can use us um, as a church individually as well.